This is Meatless, a podcast about eating. I'm Alicia Kennedy, a food and drink writer. I'll be having conversations with chefs and writers about how their personal and political beliefs determine whether or not they eat meat. The show will ask the question, how do identity, culture, economics, and history affect a diet? In this episode, I talked to Charlotte Shane, a culture writer and author of the brilliant book Prostitute Laundry. She's been vegan for 18 years now, but doesn't often discuss it. We talked about her anti-oatmeal stance, NYU's recent conference on animals on the left, and whether WeWork's new reducitarian policy could be good for the vegan movement. Um, Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Yeah, so I grew up um, on the Delmarva Peninsula around a lot of chicken farms. And that was just a staple even when I'm, I'm trying to think of like what age I was in school, like six years and onward or whatever, that was a staple of the drive to school in the morning was passing these massive, you know, chicken trucks with like the battery hens in them. Wow. Um, and I remember finally like becoming old enough to kind of ask my mom, like, what don't the, don't the chickens not like that? (laughs) Don't they not like being in cages, like open cages stacked, you know, 12 high on the back of a flatbed truck on the highway. And, um, and I think in in my memory, she said something like what you would say to placate a child, which is kind of like, they don't, they don't feel it, which Mm. I feel like actually we tell kids a lot about animals. Like we weirdly kind of describe animals as like not having nervous systems almost you right. know like oh no they don't feel it um whatever we're doing to them they can't actually feel um and it was just such a um aspect of the landscape you know like I went to school with all these other kids who were like in the families in the chicken farming families chicken farming dynasties you know <laughs> and we would go to the farms for field trips and kind of walk in the um, the hatcheries, like, you know, the big open spaces that are like, open. they're not open, they're covered, but where it's just like a carpet of little chicks, you know? Um, and, uh, when did we eat? We ate disgusting things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) we ate spam, we ate scrapple, which a lot of people have never (laughs) even heard of, I think. Um, I ate a lot of eggs as a child, which is now disgusting to me. Like hard boiled eggs are the ones that are actually like soft. I mean, they're no egg is really hard, but it's like they maintain their form. Right. Right. I've been vegan for so long. I'm sorry. Like a lot of things about like not vegan foods. I don't remember. all. But, um, I would eat, yeah, like hard boiled eggs and mustard. I mean, it was disgusting. Like I was being fed Arby sandwiches when there's a home video of me at the table where my mom is kind of like prompting me to talk to my father. And she's saying like, she ate the whole the RV sandwich, didn't she? And I'm just like, uh-huh. And then literally <laughs> my, my parents like give me a Twinkie unwrapped. Oh my God. And I unwrap it and devour the whole thing in like a heartbeat. And my dad is like, did you eat that whole Twinkie? It's like, well, yeah, what did you think I was going to do? But honestly, I was like a garbage compactor as a kid. <laughs> like, I ate the nastiest stuff all the time. Um, but I mean, look how I turned out. So I guess it's <laughs> 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 an endorsement. So yeah, where in that in that did you become vegan were you vegetarian first no I wasn't and my story of becoming a vegan is um I think unusually humiliating (laughs) (laughs) which was that when I was a teenager um I was listening to Moby and Moby at the time had a blog that he maintained about being a Christian and being a vegan the Christian thing I never got on board with the vegan thing I just was curious about because I thought, okay, I understand why somebody wouldn't be a vegetarian, wouldn't wouldn't eat meat. Mm-hmm. I understand why they don't want an animal to die, but why be a vegan? Why won't you eat eggs or cheese or whatever else? So um, we had internet by then, obviously, because Moby had his blog. So I like got on, I'm sure it was like our AOL dial up and just started Googling 
veganism or whatever. And I'm sure I went to PETA's website. It was definitely a website with many horrifying visuals. But I was reading what they were saying, too. And I feel like it probably (laughs) took me literally 30 minutes at most before I was like, okay, this makes sense to me. It's not a good thing to eat animal products. Mm -hmm. And that that was kind of that. You know, it's like 18 years later that's still (laughs) where I'm I'm at, more or less. Um, And the other thing that helped was my parents were really rude about it in a way that surprised me and I guess has has never stopped surprising me, although you would think after like nearly two decades I would get used to how defensive slash antagonistic people can be about it. But um, I wasn't expecting it. My family was really condescending about it, and they were sort of like, oh, this will last a week or whatever, which was strange because I wasn't in the habit of adopting things capriciously, and I don't know why they thought that was part of my personality. But I think I probably owe them a debt in a way because if they hadn't been so derogatory I might not have maybe I wouldn't have stuck it out maybe I would have only lasted a week but um as soon as they said that I was like I'll show you yeah and (laughs) I guess I did (laughs) (laughs) I actually found out about veganism first from Moby too I think there are so many people there are so many of us but we're embarrassed to say it well yeah he's still really I mean he's still he's a horrible person (laughs) so it's like oh man I mean he is really carrying the torch of like the awful white vegan. Yes, he really just never says anything that helps the cause, but somehow and got all of us as teenagers to at least like consider veganism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so, are your parents still not on board with it? Do you still get? Um, you know, it took it took like many, many, many years of going home, and my dad always saying, "Oh, you're still doing that vegan thing." I'm right. kind of just being like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, and I guess my mom still kind of acts like, I mean, they still live where, where I grew up, which mm-hmm. I don't think there are many places in the United States now, um, actually, that are kind of like exurban or suburban that don't have a lot of vegan options. Right. You know, actually, like probably there are like pockets here of New York City that have less vegan options than mm-hmm. my little nowhere town, you know, where I grew up. Um, but I, I guess just like the, that way of thinking about food is still pretty foreign. Um, so I feel like my mom always kind of makes a big deal out of me visiting. Like she's so worried about what to feed me when it always feels to me like, come on, it isn't that weird. Right. You know, yeah. like it's, I, I just, you know, like I'll just eat some like brown rice and vegetables. It doesn't have to be so exotic and strange, but it's like some somehow even after all this time, she still has that little like anxiety in her that somehow I'm not going to be able to eat when I'm home. (laughs) Um, A few years ago, you wrote kind of an anti-oatmeal essay for Extra Crispy, (laughs) which I remember reading at the time and being like, I love oatmeal. Um, But it's true that it's kind of one of those things that vegans are just served because no one knows what else to give a vegan. Um, But what do you actually like to eat for breakfast as a vegan? I love tofu scrambles so much, but I don't know if you've had a lot of bad tofu scrambles. Yes, I feel like I, I have. have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't understand. I'm like, why does it taste so bad? What did you do to it to make it taste so weird and bad? Because I love it. And I right, feel like right, it's right. actually not that hard to make because I am nowhere, I am not a, a cook. You know, like, I wouldn't even call myself a cook, but like I can make myself tofu scramble that tastes good. So um, I actually think that like vegan breakfast foods are really exciting, particularly because vegan pastries and baked goods now are so delicious. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the type of food I really love, carbs and sugar, right. you know? <laughs> so, um, so to me, I feel like vegan breakfast should actually be, like, way more decadent than other meals. But it is just very hard a lot of times, you know, to go to go out to breakfast. Still, even right. living in New York, you know, whenever I'm in the mood to, like, go out for breakfast, it's like, okay, I know a few options, but... Um, it's, it's definitely something that's easier to make at home. Um, I really like, I like all of the foods that have been sort of imported here that were just vegan by design, like tabbouleh and like all sorts of Indian dishes, all the Ethiopian like beans are so delicious. Um, mm-hmm. All that stuff I love. I'm less interested in, even though I eat meat substitutes, than... Um, you know, the places where, I don't know, it kind of blows my mind when you go to a place and they're like, 
vegan shrimp. I'm like, who needed that? <laughs> <laughs> who was really desperate for that? And um, it, it, it weirds me out and I don't like it when things taste too much like right. meat. It's, it's too unfamiliar to me now, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any secrets that you use in your tofu scramble that make it actually good? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, because in case growing up on Scrapple didn't give it away. I have a really bad palate. I think like <laughs> I love eating, but I think that a lot of things I eat and think like, mm, this is really good. Most people would be like, I'm not, I don't want this. <laughs> um, I think I, you know, started out gross and we have stayed kind of gross. And in some ways I'm really picky and in other ways I feel like I'm really easy to please. Like the bar for pleasing me is kind of low, you know, and in, right. in that like simple flavors are are good for me. Right, right, right. Um, you also wrote a really amazing 2012 essay in the new inquiry on women's appetites. And I feel like there is a lot of overlap in veganism with a bit of asceticism. There can be. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. I guess I don't like it when I see people, um, it's mostly other women say that veganism is largely like a front for anorexia. That really disappoints me, mostly because I feel like this idea of, I don't know, like very publicly policing women's bodies, it's like it's not better to do it in the reverse, right? Like it's right. not better to kind of be like, well, I'm the anorexia police now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's helpful. I think it like really misunderstands why people develop certain eating habits. Mm-hmm. And it feels, it feels really unfair um, because... I don't know. I mean, I, I was anorexic in high school. Like I didn't get my period. I guess I might say that in the essay. I don't remember, but, um, I was never hospitalized or anything like that. I, um, and I feel really good about being a vegan and it doesn't feel to me like an excuse to be weird about food. It, I do think it's actually given me some weird, um, like hoarding behaviors almost, you know, like when I travel, even mm-hmm. though I know rationally I have no reason to feel this way, I will hoard food because I <laughs> feel like worried about, I don't know what, like being fed enough. Right. Um, so I certainly think I have a lot of neuroses around food and that veganism might put pressure on those in certain ways, but I just don't know anyone who doesn't have a weird relationship to food and it feels pretty good right now. Um, and I think there is a case to be made for the way that, um, veganism can make somebody think more carefully about what they're eating when they're eating it and just really change their relationship to when they eat, how they eat, why they eat, you know, how they understand themselves like as somebody who eats, which maybe sounds weird, but right no, totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't like that trope that vegan girls are just anorexics. With like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but has have your reasons for being vegan changed since you were reading Moby's blog? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what I've been thinking about recently is how um, how many angles there are to thinking about our relationships with animals and how virtually all of them feel valid and good and useful. Um, But I am kind of, um, I don't know, there should be a phrase for it. And maybe you know of one, like I'm sort of a shy vegan, you know, so I don't ever start talking to people about why I did it or Mm -hmm. like why I still do it. Um, And there was a conference, just a day-long conference at NYU, maybe like three weeks ago. And Sonara Taylor and her sister, uh, is it Astra? Astra, It's Astra, right? Um, Were there speaking. And Astra was saying the same thing, you know, how she's very visible as an activist and a leftist. And she Mm -hmm. was saying that she is really kind of... um, I don't want to say closeted because I don't want to appropriate, but you know, like <laughs> just like she keeps her veganism like really close to her chest and how she, she told this story about being out at a restaurant with her parents when she was a kid. And I think her dad ordering meat and, and her being like, daddy, no, like don't order that steak or whatever. And him mm-hmm. being like, 
okay, and him getting popcorn shrimp instead and her feeling like, oh, my God, instead of killing a single cow, you just, like, massacred 50 shrimp. And (laughs) and, and that feeling to her, like, the moment when she's like, I'm not even going to talk about this anymore with other people. Like, it's too fraught. Um, And I think that for me always at the forefront of when I think about veganism is factory farming. Like, Mm -hmm. to me, that is it. Um, not the only thing, but the biggest thing. And for, I think for a long time when I talked to other people about it, if they really pushed me to talk to them about it, I would talk about the environmental aspect. Mm -hmm. I would say like, uses so much water, you know, we use so much feed, whatever else. Um, and lately I've come to feel like that is, it's a really defensive tactic. It's not necessarily insincere, but it's because the taking animals seriously is so stigmatized and people find it so easy to ridicule and dismiss. Mm -hmm. So, um, and what's kind of interesting to me in like a sad way, I guess, which I think we're going to talk about more later is like the WeWork thing is framed as an environmental choice, not as an issue of animal rights. And, and to me, they, they really are, everything is so bound up Mm -hmm. in it, in, in my choice. And there's, kind of there's really like no angle that doesn't feel right to me you know which is why it was so easy for me to do it is because I thought like oh my god it's not just like one reason to do it it's like 12 really good hugely important reasons like Mm -hmm. about the type of person I want to be and like how I want the world to be um and maybe like because I've been vegan for so long now maybe like halfway into not eating animal products I think it happened when I was at Vegas and I was served a dish and I was eating it and I was like, I got like two bites in and I was like, there's something wrong with this. Like this doesn't taste right. And it was with somebody who was not a vegan. I was kind of like, will you try this? And, and we figured out that it had like pork in it. Oh. And I was just like, and, and, but I started thinking and I'm like, you know, if I'm really so committed to the environmental aspects of, of how I'm eating or like the environmental impact, shouldn't I just eat this? rather than make them prepare another dish for me. Um, and that's still something I kind of think about sometimes, where I'm like, is it the more ethical choice to just eat, you know, the pizza that has cheese on it, even though I asked for it without cheese or whatever? Right. Um, and I haven't been able to make myself do that. I don't know if that's a failing or, or what, but um, I guess what I tell myself is that it's kind of like the straws thing, you know, where it's like the, the bigger problem is not vegans not eating when they're accidentally served on vegan things. You know, that's not where like right. food waste comes from. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> vegan rejecting the non-vegan things they're served when they go out to eat. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's anytime you take an ethical stance, it's kind of like you can't ever stop taking it. Do you know what I mean? Right. It just, it just expands more and more into all these areas of like trying to think about how to be. Absolutely. And what do you? What would you say to some someone who would ask you about whether a personal choice is really going to have an impact? Yeah, I think about that too. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard this ad when I was growing up. I feel like this was, there was a radio ad um, that was like one a voice of one person saying like, "Why do I need to recycle my paper? Like I'm only <laughs> one." And right, and more and more voices until it's like a. Yeah, you know, deafening chorus of people saying like, why do I need to? Um, And I do really like that parable about the guy walking down the beach, throwing in the starfish, you know, Um, which is that I guess like what any, it feels like what any individual can affect, whatever change an individual can have always feels small and insignificant and like insufficient. There's there's almost nothing I can imagine myself doing that doesn't feel like it's not enough. Mm-hmm. But it feels really important to me to to try, you know, and to like try to make the the choice that has the most integrity and to revise it. Um there was I don't I haven't looked at any of this stuff in a really long time, but close to when I first became a vegan, I remember reading something that said vegetarians live longer than the general population. Vegans live a less longer than vegetarians and I thought about that for years and I was always like I'm fine with that like I'm (laughs) totally fine with the thought that 
my my eating choices mean I die sooner. Like that, <laughs> to, to me, it just doesn't seem worth it to be right. like, well, my life is so precious. It needs to go on for an extra three years, no matter what. Um, and I think that it is good and important to human beings generally to feel like they understand what their values are. You know what I mean? So, and that, and that to feel like they can have some control over making those values manifest in their lives because it's so hard to do. And the deck is so stacked against all of us um, that it just feel, feels really important to me to do what you can. And that was part of why I, it was so, it felt very easy for me to say, oh, I'm not going to eat any more animal products because it actually felt like this is something I can do that requires almost no effort. And of course, some people will say that being vegan is really hard. You, know, you do have mm-hmm. to like look at the food labels you might have to cook for yourself more, et cetera. So I don't mean to say that it has like no labor, but to me, it just felt like this is such a small gesture, like for what it would cost me. Right. This is so accessible and easy to do. And I have no excuse for not doing it. And now, of course, I, I love it. Like, I actually love being vegan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was really excited about that conference at NYU because I feel like veganism does not have a coherent politics like across vegans obviously in the new york times this weekend there were those the the conservative vegans who are like for the death penalty and but and pro-life or anti-abortion but do not eat animal products and it was just so bizarre and um i don't know how do you connect your politics and your veganism and how do you kind of deal with like this movement that has no cohesion. Um, it, it is weird to me and alarming that p- there are so many explicit white supremacists who are also vegan. Mm. And I haven't really delved into it because in a way it's like, why would I like, I don't, I don't want to like expose myself to anything about the right. way they think about the world, but I'm guessing it has something to do with like purity that it's, that it has something to do with like pesticides and like eating genetically modified me whatever you know I'm, I'm guessing it's like that sort of thing it's hard for me to believe it's that like animals you know can suffer and that's you know what's wrong <laughs> to make them suffer I don't know maybe that's part of it but um uh yeah like like veganism honestly it's a little like feminism now where like you right. do not have to have a certain set you really don't like you it's the divergence among vegans is pretty stark and sadly i think like the worst ones get the most attention because they because yep. they are the most eager to take up space and the loudest they're saying the worst things you know so it's really easy for them to kind of become these like the faces of right um which sucks um well, at the conference what was cool was um because the keynote with Astra and Sonara was called something like, why is the left afraid of animal rights? You know, and it just felt really good to be in a space where we're like, <sighs> like, oh my God, yes, it's awful. You know, like yeah. to be around all these people who like, and I've, I've seen it a little bit on Twitter, like people mm-hmm. I really respect. I'm like, these are very deep, like radical thinkers. They're highly educated. And I see them like going off just briefly sometimes even on like a little freak out about veganism and it's it's so disappointing it makes me really sad it makes me feel kind of like hopeless about I don't know what like opening up this this dialogue because to me like everything I have learned I mean I'm still learning so much I have so much to learn and I and I've learned I know so much more now than I used to and it's still not enough (laughs) um but like when I read, so Sonara's, Sonara Taylor wrote this book, Beast of Burden, they read last year. And I just loved, I'm like, this is one of the best things I've ever read. I feel like it really changed my brain in these great ways. And it's so exciting, I think, to be able to think about the effects of power, to be able to think about oppression, to be able to see other people's struggles. So I don't know. I don't know that it was like an effect of reading that book necessarily, but I don't know. Sometime this year I was on the subway and somebody of limited mobility came on 
I don't, for whatever reason, I don't even remember, like maybe they, I don't think they had a cane, but it was like, they, they obviously needed a seat. And I was kind of like, there's a space next to me. It's fine. And, and as they were sitting down, I realized I'm like, oh my God, you know what? I should have scooted into the center because they need the pole that I'm up against to help them ease themselves into the seat. So to me, like having a, a really basic insight like that into the world feels really good. Yeah. It feels good to feel like I see a way to make life a little bit easier for other people, like a little bit better for other people. And to, to, to think that, um, you can have a really strong progressive politics that disavows animal rights. I know people will find it really easy to ridicule and dismiss, but to me that's, it's fucked up. It's not actually possible because to go back to, to factory farming, at least like if you're an anti-capitalist factory farm should matter to you. If you're pro workers rights, factory farm should matter to you. You know, all of these systems are acting in that space, like what we eat, how we eat. Um, it's, it's billions of animals. To me, it's just like, we make ourselves better when we're willing to rise to the challenge of thinking about that. I don't think there's anything to be lost in right. thinking about that. Did you see Sorry to Bother You? Yes. <laughs> I really wanted to tweet it. I really wanted to tweet this. And then I just like deactivated my Twitter account in part to like keep myself from tweeting it, I think, because I was like, I'm going to get dragged. This is going for like the whitest take of all time. But all I kept thinking about was like, I really love, and I'm not going to spoil anything. It's like a light spoiler maybe. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that had that sort of interspecies solidarity at the end. Right. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been thinking about it a lot. And I was like Googling desperately to see if Boots Riley is a vegan. I don't think he is. All I could find was there's a video of him. There's a shot of a video of him that's old where he's briefly, he's like reading a book about Afro-veganism. Oh. Yeah. That's all I could find. <laughs> and he, I think it's safe to say that he understands that moment, not about interspecies solidarity, but about worker solidarity, right. which is still a really interesting way you can still approach. Like animals are understood as property, but they're also understood as workers right. and they're workers who have absolutely no rights at yeah. all. So whatever lens you like, if you're a progressive, I promise that lens can be like your entry point into thinking about animals. Right. I think a lot of progressives see bashing veganism as a easy way to score points in like a fight of class oppression because they see veganism as one white as too inaccessible to most people, which I don't, I don't think it is simply because, and I mean, the example is always just rice and beans are inexpensive. Um, but do you, do you think about that, about like whether veganism is an accessible diet for a lot of people? I mean, I think there's, there's no way around the fact that there are a lot of white vegans who have very bad politics around race. Right. And I think it's like some of, some of those people have bad politics because they just, they're ignorant, which is not to excuse them, but they're mm -hmm. ignorant. Other people I think have bad politics because they're like real shitheads. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, so it's not to, to say that it isn't a problem, but it does seem like it's a really easy out for people not to think about this thing they they fundamentally don't want to think about. Right. Which is something that is, you know, I feel like is um, kind of like an immediate topic of conversation with other vegans if we're talking about veganism, which is like, isn't it insane how emotionally people react right. to suggesting that maybe they should eat less meat or no meat or no eggs or whatever, right? I mean, the reaction is not logical, even when they're, it's coming from an intelligent person who's able to kind of give it a gloss mm -hmm. of being logical. It's like, it's not, you know? So, so one of the easiest ways to deflect, of course, is to kind of be like, this is a white person thing or whatever else. But it, what makes me sad is that like almost, I think every city I've ever visited, every American, every like, you know, North American city I've ever visited, even the smaller ones, when I look for vegan food, there's going to be a vegan restaurant that's run by black people. Mm -hmm. 
it's maybe it's like vegan soul food. Right. Maybe it's like vegan Jamaican or it's Ethiopian or whatever. And there's they're they're the places that often feel the best to eat too. Mm-hmm. Because they are not this cynical corporatized, like have a, you know, twelve dollar eight ounce juice right. veganism. <laughs> it's like a really thoughtful, warm, delicious veganism. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad that they don't, <laughs> I don't know it, that they're kind of like, it feels like people don't even want to notice them and they're right, right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, the mainstream vegan community or the white vegan community, I never see a lot of conversation about like ITAL cuisine or ITAL restaurants or anything like that. And it's like, dude, like these people have been doing it for so long and we're, we're, and you think you're coming in with like earth balance and doing something new or something. And it's just like, <laughs> you're not, um, but like, yeah, we work is now called like cutting meat out of their events and their cafeteria or whatever, or, and like calling it a reducitarian effort, which is, I think the tech bro way of, of doing vegetarianism or veganism. Um, and I, for me, and this is just my first thought, I'm like, oh, well, it's the same as, uh, the obsession with like impossible burgers or lab meat or like, um, Soylent, like this, like pure desire for efficiency and like no real concern for animal rights. Um, but do you think that this stuff helps on the whole or, or what is your perspective on that kind of thing? Oh, I don't know. That's such a good question. Do you know what you think? I'll answer it, but do you know what you think? I I don't think it helps ultimately, no. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so either. I I don't think so either. I mean, so my my boyfriend had been updating me on the WeWork thing like throughout this past week because I have been off Twitter and like I don't really read the news. Twitter was always my news before. Um, And finally he was telling me all this stuff about it. I'm like, I just have to like look it up and read it myself. So when I read it, I'm like, okay, they're not going to, they, the company don't want to purchase meat. That's not some fascist stance toward their employees. That's right. fine. Right. Um, and as I was reading it more, you know, it's kind of like, it doesn't even seem like they really thought through as a being unable to expense right. meat thing, Yeah. you know, cause they don't seem like they have a plan for how to do that. So it almost seems more like one of these things where they're kind of like, we ask that you not, but the likelihood of them actually denying someone's expense or like combing through receipts is, is possibly quite low. And then also that they are still serving fish. Right. And I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> meat eaters are such fucking babies. <laughs> it's, it's outrageous. Yeah. And what, what to me is really inexcusable is this avalanche of analogizing that choice to like hobby lobby stuff right yes i mean you talk about like a way to make me lose my mind um and it's it's like yeah i would i am happy to have i don't want to defend we work right you right. know what i mean yeah. I, I, I don't have to do that <laughs> but it seems like they've done something relatively inoffensive and if the goal is to talk about employers having an inordinate amount of influence over their workers lives there are a lot of points at which we could have done that before we work made this decision right. and that we can still do it and that are a lot more meaningful than worrying that people aren't going to get served steak at a function. Right. You know, like when, in a way, it's really just like, who cares? Yeah. And then the other thing is that like, I, I guess I think you're right. Like it doesn't help because it's very hard for me to not see this as a publicity stunt. Yes. You yeah. know, where it's almost like, why did you have to announce it? Why didn't you just start doing that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think they always want a lot of credit for anything they do that could be seen as a progressive thing, especially because, I mean, they're so successful. They have so much money. I don't know. There's no, nothing's going to hurt them, I guess. But at the same time, they obviously want to look like they're not complete evil, but right. they are. <laughs> I mean, in my perspective. We work is um, <laughs> with, in terms of like just taking over, <laughs> like taking over real estate and like encouraging like sort no, of a gig economy. Worst. I know they're terrible. <laughs> why, like every time my boyfriend would say, this, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to have to think about this. I, I don't want to have to think about defending WeWork. I don't want to have to think about all the bad takes that are going to be like oh, God, wrong yeah. for a myriad reasons yeah. that don't even have to do with vegan. I'm just like, oh, this is such a shit story. Yeah. No, and I mean, yeah, I just, I just really find the like impossible burger beyond me like 
I just find these things to be backward, like steps backwards for everything because it's like we've gotten, we got away from like straight up fake meat and decided we could make good veggie burgers that are out of, made out of vegetables. And then these people want to be like, no, 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 you have to, it has to bleed to make it satisfying. And it's like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It's very, it's very Island of Dr. Moreau. It's very like, who asked you to do this? Exactly. You're just doing it because you want (laughs) to do it. It has nothing to do with demand. It has nothing. There's no thought behind it. It's just really like, wouldn't it be cool if I can grow actual meat in a Petri dish? No. Yeah. It's not cool. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) I think about this all the time because I, I went to, I used to work at a magazine that was obsessed with food and tech and the combination of the two in a very superficial, boring way. And they made me go to an event where like these, these guys who like worked at Google, I think made an oven that you can control with your phone And we went to this event to watch them use it. It was very silly. And an older woman asked them, what kind of pie plate is better in here for making a pie? A glass pie plate or a metal pie plate? And they were like, "Uh, we don't know. And I was like, you don't know how to bake a pie in this oven? Like you've never really cooked. Like you don't know, like you just think you're gonna step in and fix how people cook, but you don't even know how people cook how cooking works or like why people enjoy cooking which is usually because it's a like actual interaction with your food you know like it was just missing every point so every time like tech people come into like vegetarianism or veganism I'm just like you're missing the point I mean I I know I'm sure this is like a very old criticism but it's something I've been thinking a lot all year because I think it gives me hope in a weird way where I'm like you know a lot of the people with like the most power and the most money they're not smart. No. They're not smart. They're not <laughs> thoughtful. And that's why they do these like ridiculous things where, you know, they, they have incredibly high opinions of themselves. Yeah. They're obviously like raging narcissists, which is why they they remain so stupid because they would never lower themselves as to actually right. like learn what people use ovens for. <laughs> but, um, but I guess that what helps me to think about it is to just remind, remind myself that like nobody wants this. Nobody asked for this. Because actually most of us are better than the people yes, making it. Yes. That's that's a useful critique. That's <laughs> <laughs> something I should remember because I get so upset about these things all the time. Um, have you ever converted someone to veganism? Allegedly, I've kind of reconverted people. Oh, cool. You know, like um, former vegetarians or former vegans who I think are really susceptible to just like a little bit of nudging, um, which is never even... It's, it's always inadvertent on my part, too. You know, it would just be, like, somebody's, like, one of my friends was, like, sent me some message that was kind of, like, fuck you, I'm, like, a vegan again now because <laughs> you were tweeting all those cow pictures. Yeah. You know, and I'm, like, great. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that was kind of what I wanted, I guess, even though that wasn't necessarily why I was doing it. Um, what about you? I don't think I have. No, I have, I don't have the power. <laughs> I don't think I push people enough. I don't know. I mean, I, I get people to eat a lot of vegan cake and cookies oh. and I've, I've changed people's minds about what those can taste like. And I think, I think that's important in and of itself a little bit, but it's really, I'm around a lot of people, I think, who have very deep cultural ties to what they eat and very deep familial ties to what they eat. And I think those are much more difficult to, to break I think. Um, yeah. Like when you were saying like, why, why would it be so difficult to eat less or whatever? And I just think, I just think, yeah, food, it, this is why I'm doing the podcast in general. It's like the ways in which food connects us to who we've always been and who we are and who we want to be. And like, how, how do we reconcile that with our ethics and our politics? And I just think so many people are just, just, uh, it's just too deep. Yeah, I mean, I I try to tell people because every now and then I have had somebody kind of approach me almost like a like a teach me way, like how teach me how vegan. And I always just feel like, it, well, if you want to, you'll figure it out. Not that I don't yeah. want to help. Do you know what I mean? But I think right. that sometimes just like feeling like it's something you have to somehow like train for. Right. I'm like I don't know if you really want to. I feel like maybe you think you should do it. Right. But you don't really want to do it. And I, and I will tell people that. It was easy for me for like a variety of reasons 
One of which is that I am kind of like a militant, like I have this appetite for militancy inside of me, right? Which probably like a lot of former anorexics do, right? (laughs) I really like rules. Like I like feeling sometimes like I have something to adhere to. And then, um, and also just that, that as a matter of taste, like I always thought milk was really disgusting. So like I could have milk and cereal, but I would never like have a glass of milk. In spite of what I ate as like a baby, when I got older, I thought eggs were really nasty. Even though I grew up near the water and people were eating like crabs all the time, I only ate shellfish once as a kid. I got really sick. I think I just gorged on it. And so I never wanted to eat it again. You know, so like all these things that I would never miss. And I've never had a lot of things. I became vegan so early on. I've never had sushi. I don't know. I mean, I've had vegan sushi. I've never had fish sushi. I don't know what that tastes like. Like all these things I've never tried. I've never tried tart steak tartare I mean like I don't even understand what a lot of them are and I've never (laughs) tried them and so it's fine like I'm not missing anything yeah um and I don't necessarily think that I mean this is why I don't have a Twitter account that's like it's easy just ask me how right you just stop eating all the things that are made (laughs) from animals like (laughs) because I do feel like it's just I I was the right candidate right 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 so I do think it's like just a consciousness shift sort of thing like it's just you have to have that moment of like clarity that you can't push someone to like there's no amount of logic that'll make someone just have that like galaxy brain I guess moment of just like oh shit like I should not do this because I'm like I love it like it'd be really hard for me to try to get someone to do it if they're like I don't like this yeah Yeah. I don't understand I think it's great I know it is really weird to me still when I like I think last week I brought a cake to my aunt's house that was vegan and like there was some old man there who when he heard it was vegan he was like I don't want that one and like of course me in my head I'm immediately like oh because it's so much more normal to eat like a buttercream made from like the milk of a cow that's meant for its baby like is that normal to you like and that's always like I'm in my head all the time being like an asshole about it but I never say these things out loud because I mean, I'd like it goes back to the idea that like to be a loud vegan is obnoxious and it like it, but there's also, it's really hard to be like a quiet vegan who never says anything about it. It's just a different, it's a difficult balance, I think. Can I ask you a question? Sure. What's your least favorite thing you think you hear the most about vegans from non-vegans or, or about food? Maybe not like the people, but like about vegan food. How about Right. Um, I mean that it's dry or bland, I guess that especially, I mean, I'm very, very, I'm not a picky eater, but I am, I mean, I'm a food writer. Like I am an asshole about food in that I like it to be good all the time. And like, if I have a mediocre meal, it ruins my entire day. Um, so <laughs> as my boyfriend looks at me and nods, but, um, yeah. So like for me, I think, and I think that's why I had a bakery and why I still bake is because these are like very easy ways to get infiltrate people and to show them that like a cake or a cookie made, if it's made with the right fat, like, and I only use coconut fat because it tastes really good and it doesn't have a strange mouthfeel because it wasn't like made in a factory. Like I just hate earth balance so much. Um, <laughs> and uh, now I use Miyoko's kitchen butter, which is really good. And it's cheap at Trader Joe's sort of, but um, yeah. So I feel like for me, it's just getting past that. And like, but even I did a bake sale recently fundraiser and someone, oh, I was just like nervous about my cakes and whether they were going to be good enough. And I was just like voicing concern that they had been in the freezer too long or something. And then, (laughs) and someone else who was baking with me, my friend who was being kind was just like, well, people have low expectations of vegan goods. And I'm like, you know, I am like really good at (laughs) this. Like, this is like the thing I do best. And like, it was just felt so insulting and sad that that's what people said and that's what people think. And then I'm like, oh, do people only like what I do because they have low expectations? And I'm like, but you can't think that way. So, <laughs> but basically, yeah, just trying to change people's minds about whether it's bad or not. And I feel like when I'm a, like writing a restaurant review or something, I'm always just trying to uh, normalize veganist stuff. Like, if I if I'm reviewing like an omnivorous restaurant just to like give the tofu as much space as the meat, which I didn't eat, but that I got a trusted source to eat um, and to just kind of normalize it to say like the tofu is as normal to eat as the other thing. But maybe if if someone's a little more prone to like having 
a consideration about the ethics of what they eat that they might go for the tofu then, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's not easy to, to talk about, I think with, with most people. It, it makes me real. it makes me sad that so many vegan restaurants now will just not label anything vegan. Right. Even though I think it's really smart and I think it is what basically every vegan place should do right almost but it makes me really sad because i'm just like why do we have to live in the shadows but it's because <laughs> it's because omnivores do i mean like the one thing i feel like i hear i have heard from so many different people and i hate it and i know now it's like i could just you know i could really like scam other people because i could just be like i bet you like 20 dollars this person's gonna say this because i know for a fact they will where somebody who doesn't eat vegan food often will eat a vegan meal of the right caliber. And then they'll be like, well, if everything vegan tasted like this, I'd eat this way all the time. Right. And it makes me so mad because I'm like, I know for a fact most of what you're eating that isn't vegan doesn't taste as good all exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. That like muffin you're getting from Starbucks is not the best muffin you've ever had. <laughs> but if you got a vegan muffin that tasted that way, I'm sure it would be like, this tastes weird. You know, yeah. like, this isn't very good. This yeah. is dry, whatever. So it is really unfair. Yeah. I think I don't think the bar is low. I think the bo- the bar is like super high for vegan stuff, actually. Yeah, it I has like, to taste better. Yeah. 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 Um, where do you like to go out to eat in New York that's vegan? Oh, there are so many good places. Um, I really love Ethiopian food. I lived in D.C. for a long time, and I honestly used to eat so much Ethiopian food, and I would like eat it for breakfast. <laughs> so I really miss and um, so I go to the Brooklyn Awash. And um, I'm trying to remember the name of the other one. In Bushwick? Um, or there's one There's Bunna Cafe, which has mixed reviews, I think. I think that... I hope I'm getting the name right. I think it's a wash. It's like in... Um, I want to say it's like on Court Street. Mm-hmm. Maybe in Cobble Hill. I'm still kind of bad at Brooklyn neighborhoods because I've only lived here for a year. It's such a big borough. It's so big. Yes. <laughs> um, what else do I like? Um... I just, like I said, I guess I like eating Indian and Chinese and things that feel almost like incidentally vegan. Although I know I always say her name wrong, but Lagusta? Lagusta, yeah. Lagusta, yeah. I mean, her shop is has like some of the most delicious things I've ever had in my life. I can't believe it. It's like stuff that I will never forget eating. Right. Because it is so good. (laughs) Um, I mean, by Chloe's is weird, but it's good. Like I'll eat there. You know, I, mean, I don't like go out of my way to eat there because it's so strange. I love Francia. Have you been to Francia? It's like a Korean no. place on Park Avenue. Oh, I think you should go. Yeah, I would definitely. love to know what you think. It's kind of expensive, so we don't go that often, but I really like it. Yeah, I've been to Hangawi. Yeah, that's the same people. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and Hangawi's good too. Um, and I, I really like um Sacred Chow. I have a real soft spot for Sacred Chow. I actually haven't been to Sacred Chow. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's kind of in that, I mean, it's near a bunch of other, right? Like Quantum Leap and like Rock and Raw and Red Bamboo and those right, are all right, right. In, in like a two block radius. Yeah. But Sacred Chow is my favorite. Okay. And I eat a lot of Van Lewis. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> have you been to Modern Love? I have been once for brunch, yeah. I think for brunch, it's probably the best vegan place, maybe. I don't know, though. Like, I just like the Tofu Benedict, I think. You know where I haven't been for brunch is Dirt Candy. I haven't done brunch there either, but I am not the biggest fan. I love Amanda Cohen, but I'm not the biggest fan of the food. I don't think it's seasoned well. I find it really forgettable. Like, yes. I've eaten there more than once, and I can't remember any of it. Yeah. Like, I think it's fun. And Oh, yeah. have you ever been to Kajitsu? I actually haven't, but I've been meaning to go forever. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah, that's like the the go to like amazing vegan place, I yeah. think. Yeah, but I have I have to go. Um do you um when you cook at home, I know you said you're not like a great cook or you don't consider yourself a big cook, but do you think that cooking is a political act or can be? Um well <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend makes almost all the food at home, which I think is a really is a great sign of what a good feminist I am. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm really lucky that he likes um, making food um, and that he will make all the food that I like. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'm just such a, like, like my palate is so hopelessly simple. Like, I just love, like, a bunch of brown rice noodles and, like, tomatoes. 
or like, you know, like a garlic oil. I mean, I'm just so happy with that. And also I really like tofu. I know a lot of people don't like it, but to me, tofu is fine just as it is. Right, right, right. You know, just like slabs of tofu. I'm like, yeah, it's just cool. Um, So I guess that when I, I had not been vegan very long and I moved to Baltimore and I was at a grocery store and I was talking to this woman and asking her where like soy milk was or something. And she took me over to the soy milk aisle and I was like, oh, and I went to take like a soy breeze. It's probably still called that, right? I mean, now everyone drinks almond milk instead. Right, right, You know right. the chain I'm talking about mm-hmm. or whatever they should be called, um, the brand. And she's kind of like, no, 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 not that one. And I was like, why not? And she's like, they sell normal milk too. And I remember just being like, wow this is a whole different level. Right. This is something I have never even thought about like <laughs> researching, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and I really admire that level of commitment. And I guess I feel like I, there are a lot of like off limit brands in my own life that don't even have to do with food, you know? Right. Um, and it's just, it's just feels so fraught to, um, to buy food, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it definitely, it does feel political and also like it could maybe become like cripplingly so if you let it. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I definitely do think like accessibility is a big deal. You know, trying to get people vegetables who otherwise have like no access to vegetables is a big deal or like what Food Not Bombs does, you know, where mm-hmm. you're like cooking food for people and, um, I mean, obviously it's, again, it's kind of, it it feels sad to be like, yeah, feeding somebody is political Mm -hmm. because I guess in like the perfect world, feeding people would just happen, would be happening all the time. And it wouldn't be something there could be sides on. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, food, food is so political. But I don't know that I have good food politics in the end. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I've taken it as far as I should. Right. Um, Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. 